This is a Dreamcast disc and is for use only on a Dreamcast unit. Playing this disc on a hi-fi or other audio equipment can cause serious damage to its speakers. Dreamcast, up to six billion players. Welcome back to the stage of history. Why don't we play together? Hey, 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 it's time to make some crazy money. Are you ready? Here we go! Please stop this disc now. Now, 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 now. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of DreamPod from the Dreamcast Junkyard. This time we'll be diving back into the never-ending stream of news coming out of the vibrant Dreamcast scene and talking about some wider Sega-related news. But first, some introductions. My name is Tom and I'm joined on this fine episode, well, I say fine, we hope it's going to turn out fine, by uh, Lewis. How are you doing, Lewis? Yeah, I'm good. It's a uh, a nice day, so we you can't be unhappy. We're also joined by Rich. How's it going, Rich? I'm not too bad, thanks. Um, yeah, typical Sunday. Nice weather out. Just got from finish. Just finished watching a very boring Grand Prix. Um, but yeah, I'm in good spirits. Who won? I've interest. I didn't catch it. Um, Verstappen. Boo. Ah, ah. You're not a Verstappen fan. Who, who's your man then? Um, I don't really have one at this moment. Probably <laughs> well, George Russell. Okay, so it's probably the nearest I've got. I've got no real affiliation these days, but. Yeah. I'm going to stop asking questions now because I don't really know anything else about F1. <laughs> so um, there's not really else I can add <laughs> to that. Um, and last and always least, it's our good old pal, James. How are you doing, James? You all right? Bonjour. I'm good, mate. Thank you. Yes, just enjoying some some break of sunlight through the, the Welsh clouds here um, on the horizon, which is rather nice. Excellent. And uh, taking a bit of a break from compiling the uh, the excellent upcoming... 2000 or is it no 200 top 200 dreamcast games not top 2000 we, you know that's a bit i think i would still be in a coma if i had to do 2000 games rather than 200 <laughs> it was uh, it was hard enough work as it was doing the 200 together but yes very very excited to get all that finished up and uh well, I'm sure, as we'll talk about later on, we'll be doing a, uh, a special couple of episodes to uh, to start revealing the top 200 before it goes on the website. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, looking forward to seeing people's reaction to Spirit of Speed coming out number one overall <laughs> for the first time. If that does happen, I demand a recount. Um, <laughs> okay, gents, uh, it's great to know that you're all fine and uh, and dandy. Using one of uh, Lewis's previous descriptions there, of his, yeah. his mood. Um, but gents, I know uh, when Andrew hosts this uh, this podcast. He likes to mix things up with a random question for the co-hosts, uh, but I'm boring. I'm boring old me, so I don't. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to ask you what you've been playing on the Dreamcast or otherwise. Before I do, though, I just wanted to mention Andrew again, uh, as he, as many of you listening, probably already know, he's the editor in chief of Lockon, which is a, a journal of gaming articles and artwork. Issue three is a Dreamcast special. It's, it's a it's very Dreamcast. Uh, weighted heavily towards the Dreamcast, and we've seen the digital version of the uh, of the issue, and it's excellent. So, uh, just wanted to say hats off to Andrew and obviously everybody else who's contributed to that issue. Uh, we look forward to getting our hands on it, and uh, we'll be reviewing it on the blog and chatting about it. I'm sure on the on the podcast in the near future. But enough about Andrew. Back to the present, uh, Lewis. I'm going to come to you first. What have you been playing on the Dreamcast or on any of the other systems you own? Uh, okay, so. Um... My my dad, bless him, has taken a obviously taken a keen interest in all this Dreamcast stuff that I keep going on about, and um, 
he sometimes listens to the pod so if you're listening to this one dad hello um but he uh occasionally goes to town and goes to a cash converters and he phones me and he goes oh they've got this dreamcast game and uh recently he did that and i, I got myself uh through him tokyo extreme racer and uh mm. super runabout both okay. two games mm-hmm. like i know obviously on here all these all the other guys like their sort of driving racing games like they're not i don't mind them but they're not like my go-to genre but you know uh you guys have always talked about at least tokyo extreme racer i know super runabouts maybe a bit dubious not very good petrol stations i think mm. if we're going by tom's <laughs> article he did so that's a, they're cool to pick up and um i've not managed to play either of them yet because i'm a shill but uh super runabout kind of always just looked it kind of looks like my kind of thing because I quite like sort of arcadey racing things. Like I like Outrun anyway, so hopefully it's a bit like that. I don't know. Mm, you might be disappointed. Okay, well, I'll look forward to that then. But <laughs> think um, a broken version of Crazy Taxi, and you're you're halfway there. Right. It's okay. okay. <laughs> if Outrun involved collecting the ingredients to make hot dogs, then yeah, you'll know what I mean <laughs> when you play the game now, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll look forward to that. But yeah, that's all for Dreamcast. And um, anything else on other platforms? Yeah, so um, I got the new Kirby game because I played the demo, and it's like too good not to enjoy it. But it's so much fun. I also got Radagy Swag, which is a new sequel to Radagy. It just feels kind of like the old one, but up-resed. What's that on? That's on Switch. Okay. Yeah, it released ages ago in Japan, um, but the whoever was distributing it, they had this whole thing where they were, they were bringing out the, the physical edition, and they had obviously the rights to distribute it digitally, but for some reason they never put out their digital version just for ages while they waited through all these delays with physical. So I've sat there like, when are they going to release this? They've got it translated, just put it out, and finally they did. And yeah, it's fun. Nice. But it's very difficult. Um, and then the main thing I've been playing is uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, which it's got a lot of graphical issues. Like when it came out, that was like the big thing that everyone gave it criticism for but i'm an all-time pokemon player i've played it for all my life since the first games on game boy and Hmm. playing this it's like a proper open world game that has broken out of the confines of the original gameplay that they've insisted on sticking with for all this time and i've just been really enjoying it you know it's like you run around this open world catching pokemon and it's a dream come true and i feel like a kid again playing it and uh yeah it actually feels like a good open world game because a lot of open world games you'll just trek from one side of a big map to another to do a quest whereas in this one the whole map is inhabited by Pokemon and the ultimate goal is to catch them all. Hmm, so the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the whole map actually has a purpose and you're not just it's not just there to be pretty. Yeah, I honestly I, I've played it quite a, a lot now and I've made up my mind and I think it's probably other than like the original Game Boy and Game Boy Color games, this is one of the best games in the entire franchise. That's how how much I love it. So yeah, I mean not everyone's into Pokemon, but if you if you like Pokemon or have ever liked Pokemon, this is the one to get into. Lucy, my fiance, her uh, nephew, uh, who's like a young kid, he, he's got this. He's like his first Pokemon game. And I just think like that for a young kid who likes Pokemon, this is like the perfect game to play because it is kind of what the, the vision that, you know, 
fans probably always had for how to actually have a game in this franchise. So yeah, there you go. I'm going to stop talking about Pokemon now. <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, I was going to say this. It's interesting because, um, interesting fact for you, I have never played a Pokemon game. However, the theme tune to the Pokemon cartoon series is probably one of my most played videos on YouTube. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so good. Work that out. It is one of the best theme tunes of all time. I remember the cartoon when I was a kid, you know, and I just remember that. Yeah, I'm not going to try and sing. I nearly sang it then, but I'm not going to put you through that torture. So (laughs) that's the one. Here's a banger. You know, you know what? That that is a great theme tune. But I will also give props to the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers one. That's just like wicked guitar solos, just out of nowhere, and it's just yeah. Both of those themes just have no right to be as epic as they are. Jason the World Warriors as well. That's an absolute tune. Yeah, and I'm going to also give a shout out to Heathcliff because that was a that was a pretty uh, pretty decent uh, intro (laughs) Mm -hmm. tune. Uh, right, enough about that. Uh, Rich, what have you been playing? Um, on Dreamcast, I've actually had a bit of a break recently, but I've come back and having just purchased um, Xenocider mm-hmm. through my eight quid to Retro Summers. And I don't know how I feel about it at this point. If you, um, if you don't like it, just be honest. Tell us, tell us, tell us why. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad they support them. It's fantastic. They got my eight quid. I didn't, you know, I wasn't a, a, a prick about it and stole it anywhere i went and you know gave him my money my hard-earned um and yeah it just feels kind of like a space harrier but i'm kind of shackled to the ground i i want to just fly over the screen but Mm. doing the whole triggers strafing left and right I, i just i'm not getting on with it i don't know if it's the game i don't know if it's me just being a bit a bit crap I'm not too sure. It took me a long time to get used to the to the triggers part of it. I mean, yeah. I I I live streamed it when I played it, which is my first ever time playing it. Um, it was just before it came out, I think. And uh, yeah, I really struggled. Like, it took me a good hour and a half, I think, for my brain to actually allow me to, you know, to do to to sort of move left and right as well yeah. as aiming your your your, uh, your sight with the stick and stuff and then jumping and it's like i did a tutorial and i thought oh i've got this down this is easy and then yeah as soon as i had to combine everything i learned i was like oh, just i just you know crap the bed completely it's almost like patting your head in it patting your yeah. head and rubbing your stomach it's kind of like that you have to retrain your brain to yeah 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 i know exactly what you mean yeah. So yeah, for that reason, I've not played a great deal of it, but I do. I do. I do really like the aesthetic of it. It looks like you know, a good, decent Dreamcast game that might have come out at the time. Maybe a bit of a lower tier. Like I like the um, like the cinematics in it. They kind of remind me of sort of mid nineties PC CD-ROM game kind of stuff. Like yeah, the few cinematics that I've seen in the game. It, it it just yeah, it's a nicely put together package. Lots to unlock as well. Yeah, I'm sure there is. <laughs> That's a, an added, added incentive to, uh, to to keep playing, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I've got a bit annoyed with the uh, like weird radio voice and like the static after everything it says. I'm just like <laughs> just grinding my teeth when I'm playing it. Um, but yeah, I can see yeah. the efforts gone into it. I can see the love's gone into it. So I'm certainly not going to knock it. I just think I need to spend a little bit more time with it before I uh, mm-hmm. have you know a, a really a passionate opinion either way. Um, mm. But yeah, that's Anasada. Anything else on other systems? Um, on other systems, I have been on Switch. I've mostly been playing. Um, I've gone back to Rush Rally Origins, which I nice. absolutely adore. Yeah, I've kind of had a bit of a second wind on my uh, Switch lately, and had a conversation with myself whether I should get an OLED or not. But I don't think I will. What else? I did actually just play and complete on the Series X today. Um, a memoir blue. It's like a new um, oh, and uh, yeah. was that on Game Pass? 
Yeah. I forget the name of the publisher now. Anna, Anna Perina or something? Or? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. It's very much typically kind of, you know, your indie game kind of deals with hashtag, you know, hard issues, hard topics. You know, it's very thought-provoking. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it didn't actually go, it doesn't actually touch upon mental illness, which was actually a really refreshing break because, like, does get a bit, I get a bit cynical about that after a while. It's like every game seems to kind of trying to be doing the same thing and trying to be really profound and it kind yeah. of feels a bit shoehorned yeah a lot of them don't hit the mark do they no they 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 bring up the topic but don't go there they don't go quite go there and don't quite wrap it up you know yeah but this one's got a very simple story i mean obviously i won't touch upon it for spoilers but it's yeah it's it, i would say similar to games like um the artful escape it's not really a game i kind of just press some things watch some things happen, press something again, watch it happen. You just, it is very much all narrative, but it looks lovely. The ending, I was close to shedding a tear. Like, I was like, and it's only about an hour long as well, so you don't really have a lot of time with it. But it's an easy 1,000 gamer points, so that's why I jumped on it. (laughs) I'm going to give that a go then. I I was looking at it. It looks a bit curious, so hearing hearing you talk about it. It is is gorgeous in places, the way it it kind of blends... um, your standard 3D computer animation with like more kind of hand-drawn 2D mm. in the same space. It, it, it does look lovely and there's some really nice music in it as well. So yeah, it's definitely worth a punt, especially on Game Pass. Great, great stuff. Okay, James, speak to me. Talk to me. Um, I've <laughs> been I've been playing quite a bit actually over the last month. I've really gotten back into gaming. I've had a, had a little bit of time off and then sort of been cramming everything back in. Um, Dreamcast-wise... I picked up and started playing Tomb Raider Last Revelation again, randomly, just because I had a bit of Tomb Raider nostalgia. As you do, yeah. Yeah, um, just to sort of see if the controls were as horrendous as I remember, and they absolutely are, but I've got a lot of good memories of Tomb Raider games as a kid, so I wanted to just go back and have a go with that. Um, Played quite a bit of um, the new uh, Driving Strikers build, which um, just to help Luke out, do a bit of testing with the new um, the new controls and a few other things uh, in that. So excited to see that game sort of coming along. Um, and that's the that's the Rocket League esque style. Correct um, game, yeah, for the Dreamcast, yeah. It will become the first indie game to have online play as well, um, wow. which will be awesome. And I think, you know, Luke's building it so that hopefully, you know, other developers using Simulant in the future will be able to, I'm hoping, just sort of the online capabilities will start to get, um, uh, you know, made, made uh, available to other studios, which could be very exciting for the future. So, yes, looking forward uh, to seeing how that progresses. Um, and another Dreamcast game that just really... Um, I was reading some old magazines and uh, it sort of dawned on me that Soul Calibur is talked about as, you know, often up there as one of the the best Dreamcast games ever made. And I'd never really put any significant time into it. I I wasn't really a big uh, fighting game fan growing up, Um, played, you know, quite a bit of Mortal Kombat and Tekken in the arcades, but never really invested in any home console games. So yeah, spent an evening or two playing Soul Calibur, and like even now, that game just holds up so well. Like the animations and the you know the visuals and the gameplay is just so good. You can just see why why Soul Calibur is um, you know is uh, is praised so highly. It really has sort of stood the test of time, um, as it were. Yeah, so totally. probably probably put some more time into that um, over the coming uh, the coming weeks as well. 
And then, um, and then other stuff. I've been spending a lot of time on the PS5. Actually, I I bought um, the uh, the exhumed or power slave if you're in the US. Um, uh, I don't want to call it a remaster because it's not really a remaster. Um, remake redo. Looks, redo, yeah. <laughs> um, that was another game that I, I actually had it on PlayStation or I had the demo on PlayStation and really liked it at the time. So I thought, um, I think it was like a 10 or 15 quid or something. So I thought, let's grab that. So yeah, played through all that. Um, went back to. Um, Ghosts of Tsushima um, when they when they brought the PS5 update for that one. So um, you know, in feudal Japan, just riding around past all the cherry blossom. Um, Looks amazing look, from what looking, I've seen. yeah, looking for someone's throat to slice from behind. You know, as you do on a Friday night. <laughs> Maybe in Cardiff, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, that's stab you in the in the side, mate. Um, no, most of my gaming time over the last couple of uh, of weeks, though, have, have been I put about a hundred hours now into Gran Turismo Seven. Um, really enjoying that. It's the first Gran Turismo game, really, that I've kind of properly invested myself in since the original two on on PS One. Um, so I've been really enjoying that and um, and joining the Elden Ring um, bandwagon as well, which is just oh, a mon- monster of a game. So, you haven't played yeah. quite a bit, haven't you? I have, yeah, yeah. Just making up for lost yeah. time, really. I tend to do this every year. I take like a couple of months off where I'm just sort of done with gaming, and then really binge on stuff for a um, for a couple of months. Um, you know, going back into the late nights and everything else. Mm. Um, so yeah, and I've I, ironically this weekend I've just been in a real kind of retro um, mood again. So um, yeah, getting back on the Dreamcast and stuff has been has been great and. I've been randomly craving to play some ZX Spectrum recently. I don't know why. Um, probably because it's the 40th anniversary and it was a big feature in Retro Gamer and stuff. But it's, um, yeah, just I've got this real desire to play some old ZX games. So maybe I'll look into that in the in the coming weeks. Excellent. Wow, quite an eclectic mix there from you guys. Um, I'll briefly run through what I've been playing. I recently got a new graphics card. It's an RTX 2060, not brand new, new to me. Um, so I've been messing around with that, playing things like Quake 2 with the ray tracing on, just to see how that all looks on a on a quite decent PC. Um, looks amazing. Uh, and other than that, I have been playing on the Dreamcast, and messing around quite a bit with uh, Capcom vs. SNK2, Millionaire Fighting 2001, to give it its full title. Nice. Um, which is curious. I mean, why is it called Millionaire Fighting 2001? I was thinking about this before. Are they all millionaires? I don't know. <laughs> It's just a bit odd, but yeah, it's a great game. I wonder if it's like a sort of a translation faux pas. Like I know on one of the some of the versions of it are called Match of the Millennium, which mm-hmm. is like quite a cool name. And then it's like Millionaire Fighting. It's like I feel like they, there was something <laughs> yeah, see was not mean, quite. Yeah. Is Chris Tarrant <laughs> yeah. in it by any chance? I don't know. Yeah, Maybe exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> like a proper like SNK drawing of Chris Tarrant. You know? <laughs> 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 every every time you pick a character, it's like, is that your final answer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been playing a bit of that. Um, well, it's on the Dreamcast, been playing on something that we're going to talk about a little later on, uh, which you know I think Rich, you've been playing as well, so I won't talk about it now. But it involves um, yeah some quite uh, obscure games that uh, for quite a few people have probably never heard of, to be honest. But we'll come into that in a bit. Uh, been playing on the PS2. I know um, how dare I mention that thing on this podcast, but uh, been playing on uh, Grand Turismo Four. Taurus Trophy and Richard Burns Rally because I had a bit of a spending spree in CEX. I spent the grand total of about 
four quid and ended up with about 17 games for the <laughs> PS2. So <laughs> I've been just slowly working through those and just playing things that I'd not really played for, you know, best part of a decade, 15 years. So it's been nice to go back through uh, through some of the PS2 games I used to play back in the day uh, after I got rid of it, uh, after I got rid of my Dreamcast and got a PS2. Anyway, enough about that. Let's move on to uh, what we're here to talk about, which is the Dreamcast uh, and Sega. And uh, as I mentioned at the top of this show, it's all about news, 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 news. And uh, no news story is bigger at the moment than the rumours of new big budget Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio sequels or reboots or whatever they're going to be um, coming out of uh, coming out of Japan. This comes from Bloomberg, a Bloomberg news article uh, where they reference Fortnite quite a lot, which is a little bit worrying. But that yeah. Sega wants to uh, yeah. you know incorporate Fortnite style um, initiatives into into these uh, reboots of Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio. Uh, it seems a bit odd to me, to be honest. Um, what, about, what do you think, Rich, to this? It's uh, interesting, exciting. Are you a bit worried? <laughs> and at this point, I'm just kind of hoping they're throwing around Fortnite as just a buzzword, just to kind of catch people, people's attention. Because I'm mm. trying to do the maths, I'm trying to slot Crazy Taxi or Jet Set into Fortnite and vice versa, and I can't figure out how it's going to work other than them just selling um, battle passes. <laughs> I don't know how else it's going to work. From a gameplay standpoint, no. I don't think you're going to have a battle royal like you know, taxi game. Or I guess maybe with Jet Set it might work with that whole online component. If you've got loads of people, um, you know, skating around, tagging stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So everybody in the same world, kind of thing. Yeah, everybody it sort of in the same world. In yeah. A yeah. Kind of splatoony kind of way, maybe loosely. I don't mm-hmm. know, but Fortnite. I don't know. I don't know where they're going with that, other than just them monetizing it. Um, which is probably going to happen because, hey, modern gaming. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the, even just the using the term big budget sounds a bit weird. It's like, yeah, I get what it means, but I'm just kind of like, I don't almost like they're trying to oversell it. Like, oh, you know, it's still going to be like a trip away crazy taxi game, which isn't really going to be. I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's kind of come out of the blue, so I haven't really had enough time to really kind of process it and think what it could be so mm. yeah i don't know it's an odd one i i think both jet set radio and crazy taxi are incredible obviously but like you know who's gonna play it is it it's gonna be people who used to play it back mm-hmm. in the day um jet set radio i think has quite a big cult following where i think people have got the whole thing with the vibe of it you know the music and sort of the style of it is yeah. kind of become quite trendy i guess almost got it's kind of almost got itself a bit of a second wind amongst people um and you know i think jet set radio future compared to when i bought it back in 2011 you know for like a tenner is is actually gotten a bit more expensive i think it's was it like 30 40 pounds in cx or something so people want to play jet set radio so maybe it'd be popular but i think the thing the whole thing about this article is and this is what i'm trying to I, i thought about was it's Bloomberg, so they're like a finance business website. And I think they were just trying to talk about it from the business sense, like, oh, compete with Fortnite, big budget, you know, throwing around all these daft terms. And yeah, but my, my whole thought on this is I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Jet Set Radio, you could 
you could actually make a big budget modern title and it and find you know it's a it's a formula that would work i think for both people who are fans of the of the um of the series but also there's enough there to make it something that could appeal to a whole new audience i, I kind of get that i do not get a big budget version of crazy taxi you know crazy taxi is a prime example of a late 90s game that hadn't you know its entire longevity was purely based around high scores and getting better at doing the same thing over and over and over and over again which is just not what you know gamers typically look for in 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 big budget releases nowadays i just don't mm-hmm. see how crazy taxi can can become a full priced release which is kind of what they're they're um they're hinting at here with big budget um i, I just it's just kind of one of those games really that's been done and there's nothing really you can do to advance crazy taxi to make it you know something new without doing just a remaster of it um yeah the whole the whole point as you say um james was um about having a you know a quick sort of five ten minute blast on it you know it's that's 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 the appeal of it it's it's quick easy pick up a controller have a bit of a fun uh time with it and then just put it down again and, and walk away the appeal as well is don't forget back in in the 90s having the arcade perfect experience at home was was something amazing because arcade machines used to kind of look at them with your jaw on the floor because they were head and shoulders above what you'd get on a home console you know that was enough to warrant a full price release back then because you know you had these arcade ports with a few extra modes chucked in and to be fair you know sega did a great job with things like um crazy taxi with all the extra modes that they did put in for the um uh, for the home audience but it's it's not enough to just be arcade perfect anymore because as you guys know you know games nowadays are just incredibly amazing and detailed and in depth and i just don't see how you can do that with crazy taxi maybe i'm just being a bit uh yeah a bit of a downer on it but it just doesn't doesn't see how it's going to work in fairness you know we have taxi chaos now so we don't need this you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well what i was going to say is crazy taxi is a perfect game like there's nothing about that game maybe a control like the controls could be sort of revamped i don't know but like tom said it's just you know put it on 10 minutes have a blast at it see if you can get a good score enjoy the music to me it doesn't it's a game i don't think needs to be developed on i may have said this in a previous podcast but if you put one two and three on a collection and they weren't choppy emulation or whatever you made sure all the songs were licensed Mm -hmm. it'd be completely fine jet set radio i think more than crazy taxi could be developed further and that's probably my sort of frustration with the fact that that franchise has been neglected is that it has so much potential especially like in the wake of you know in this sort of last decade of games like you know overwatch and um like valorant apex yeah apex like all these games i mean i know they're just shooters but a lot of these games now are like uh what's that other one like um there's there's another one that's like a knockout city or arena i think was the game that's one i've seen a lot of these games that are like these sort of cell shaded very colorful games with like characters with lots of tood and personality <laughs> they did that with crazy taxi mind didn't they they made a mobile game that was very oh, much of that ilk yeah. back in back a few years ago oh, Gazil- Gaz- was it gazillionaire something like it was something stupid like that yeah yeah, yeah. 
Uh, on that note, but uh, Crazy Taxi, uh, the Sega Forever version on mobile phone, is surprisingly good. Don't don't knock it till you've tried. That's it. music as well, which blew me away. It, it does, yeah. I'm shocked. Music <laughs> doesn't have Pizza Hut and Tower Records, oh. but yeah, if, you know if that's your thing, you know. Shocking. But, um, Shocking. <laughs> yeah, it's like take me to the chicken shack or whatever. <laughs> like, but um, yeah, I think you could do a Jet Set Radio game and really build on the characters have them more than just sort of avatars that dance around and say yeah occasionally you know <laughs> give them some personality um yeah and you know i think it's yeah i think jet set radio is a timeless uh, sort of concept you yeah know? cool okay so i mean yeah this, this sounds interesting uh, i guess time will tell whether or not uh, these games ever see the live day i know i know there was a, a caveat that yes these could also still be cancelled well yeah no shit. Every game could still be cancelled, so that's a nice get out clause, just in case this is absolute rubbish. Um, so yeah, as I say, time will tell if we do get a um, you know a massively multiplayer online Jet Set Radio or a Crazy Taxi in the Fortnite universe, which sounds like hell to me. But you know, kids are like <laughs> something different, don't they? Um, also in the news, Sonic Origins. Uh, this is a new sort of collection of Sonic games. Before this, before this like blew up in the recent past, i.e. last week, at the time of this recording, I knew nothing about Sonic Origins. So when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, is it a new, like, Sonic Mania-type um, creation? You know, with, like, new levels and all this kind of thing. And then when I looked into it, uh, I might sound really cynical and old here, but I was really disappointed that it's just essentially remasters of the same old Sonic games again. I know they've got these animations and they look amazing, and I know a lot of people worked on these games to bring them up to, like, you know new resolutions and whatnot, but a little piece of me inside just thought, I really wanted a new Sonic Mania, and that's what I thought this was going to be. What do you guys think? Do you know what? We had like a bit of a, a bit of a grumble and a moan about it, didn't we, in the in the WhatsApp group about this, in the Junkyard WhatsApp group. We were talking about it and saying, like, what's that many times? What's the point of this? What's the point of this? And I'm just like, you know, getting angry over nothing. Angry man yells at Cloud. And... Um, <laughs> And then that evening, I, I like went through this whole thing of what's the point of stupid. And that evening, I went on my PS5 and I was like, oh, I just wish list that. I ended up going through the whole thing. So it's like they obviously know what they're doing. Um, yeah. I guess to kick off on it, it is. it does feel like this has been done a thousand times, which it ultimately has been. I mean, think of how many re-releases Sonic has had um, on various collections and standalone as well. I will say the only thing, the one thing that does look really cool about it is the the widescreen, which again I know has been done elsewhere, officially and unofficially, but the um, the widescreen modes on it look um, look pretty cool. But it just I don't know. I feel like if you're going to do a compilation now, it, you need to do something like if you look at Sonic Jam on the Saturn. You know, it was it, the the fact that they had this whole 3D hub world thing on there yeah. was enough yeah. of excitement to think, oh, that's really cool. There's something new, something different, and I feel like. Will I probably get this? Probably not at launch, but I'm sure I'll end up getting it in a sale um, on PS5 at some point. But yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of like you you feel like there should be a little bit more here, especially after how good Sonic Mania was, as you said. Um, yeah. You know, even little things like just, you know, maybe putting a few new new designed levels in on each of the games or something like that would have been cool. It has um, got a, um, has it got like a, a challenge mode or something? To... Yeah, I saw it's got a challenge mode or something that, yeah, you collect certain things and what have you. 
it, it does look like Sonic Mania. Like, I do wonder if it's built on the same engine that... I know Sonic mm. Mania was made by, like, this super fan of, who developed these fan games, and then they kind of put it into a, an official release. Um, so I wonder if it is probably built on that engine, you know, using them sprites and, sim, you know, similar aesthetic. So it does actually look really good, and it kind of makes me think this is what we should have... They should have done ages ago, yeah. rather than all of, like, the lazy collections of ROMs with you know the emulate and there's mixed results from the various ones and but i figured it out this is why this is coming out and i think it's to chase the sonic movie crowds yeah definitely oh yeah 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 Yeah. actually you've got the whole tails and knuckles component it just Mm -hmm. yeah ties in beautifully so a lot of little kids getting into sonic now and you know if a kid wants to get into sonic after seeing the film oh you know i'll get this game no offense to them, the the ones on Mega Drive. To them, it probably look a lot more shiny and new, you know, than the old em- the emulations of the old Mega Drive games. So, yeah, they should have brought back the cartoon instead for all get get all the oh, way. Which one? The though? original, the original. <laughs> yeah, Adventures of Hedgehog. Yeah. Adventures of Sonic. The one with um, Grounder and um, that chicken. Yeah, so good, man. Scratch. So Scratch. good. <laughs> Yeah, so good. I still got a theme tune. Yeah, it, it popped up. I follow this account on Instagram. Oh, it's like eighties so and nineties like culture, and it, it popped up the intro for it on there the other day, and I was like, "Wow, that's a massive nostalgia hit." So Urkel was the voice, wasn't he, of Sonic? It sounds like we're moaning about it, but I mean, I grew up. I'm sure, like you guys did, I grew up with Sonic. I, you know, we I remember being taken to a game shop. I can't remember which one it was to get Sonic Two. Not long after it came out, with my brother, my dad took us to go and get it. Um, so, you know, I've always grown up with Sonic and, um, yeah, but uh, this just seems a bit, oh, again, again, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing that sticks out is the whole Sonic 3 part of it. And I don't know what the situation is with the music now, if that's addressed, if they've changed anything up there. Because obviously, for the longest time, Sonic 3 has kind of been an omission, hasn't it? And some of these collections and re-releases and what have you. Yeah. The stupidest thing about the whole thing is this, like, these the digital deluxe version yeah. versus yeah. the standard, <laughs> and they've made it super confusing with the pre-order bonuses, which you get for either version, and all the other bits and pieces, some of which are, like, really stupid things as well, like things you'd expect, like a letterbox background, or, like, yeah. one of them is character animations in the main menu you only get with digital <laughs> deluxe. But I think the, regardless of what, what, you can't you know, jump you, in this version. Yeah. <laughs> I think the most stupidest thing about it all is that it's a it's a budget release by today's standards anyway. And I think it's like five quid more for the digital digital deluxe. So like you know, I'm all for pro consumer choice and everything, but ultimately I think they'd have done, they'd have been better off just making the the standard version five quid more and just including everything and i think everyone would have just been happy to pay it anyway because i think it's like i can't remember the exact amount but i'm pretty sure it's like 35 quid for the normal and then 40 quid for the digital deluxe and it's like you've just made this whole controversy for no reason whatsoever yeah you know it's just it just seems so really stupid to do what they've done with it. There's there's just something really cynical about taking these games from the early 90s 
in this package and like giving it this bloody Assassin's Creed Ubisoft yeah. chart where it's like you get this <laughs> with this version. It's like bloody hell, this game. How long are you gonna milk this game? Let leave Sonic to rest. Leave him alone. <laughs> oh no. yeah. I bet by the time we're all like in our sort of seventies and eighties, there's been countless more Sonic games, films, everything. Apparently, I was listening to just talking about Sonic games. I was listening to the um, IGN Game Scoop podcast the, um, the other day, and they were saying um, that Sonic is the franchise with the third most games, like game main series and spin-offs in history created. Oh, really? What? What are the other two then? What the first and um, second? Mario and uh, Mega Man. I feel like that was right. I could be completely wrong now, and I've just said the wrong ones, but I'm pretty sure that's what the two were. Oh, God. Cancelled. Cancelled all over the internet now. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) One last thing about this is I think as Sega Dreamcast fans, things like this annoy us because it's like why not why wasn't this skies of arcadia (laughs) yeah i mean i'm still i'm still hanging on to that one interview there's a clip of this sega guy going yeah fans really want skies of arcadia to be re-released and this was back like when the ps3 and xbox 360 were out i'm still clinging on to what that guy said (laughs) you know he promised and he's they've never delivered you're like yeah do it then yeah, like where is it? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, you should set up one of those time, like the you know days since it was announced, like um, yeah, countdown yeah. or count up timer websites or something. That that guy probably doesn't even work for Sega anymore. <laughs> right, um, talking well from talking about a game that everybody's played to death to uh, in uh, Sonic, by the way, uh, to probably games that only about fifteen people across the entire globe have played until now. That is. Uh, because some of us here have played these games. I am, of course, talking about duh, 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 the Mega Duck. The Mega what? <laughs> it's the Mega Duck, of course, also known as the Cougar Boy. Um, yeah, if you're not sure what I'm talking <laughs> about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not sure what I'm talking about, the, the Mega Duck was a, a handheld, almost like a, a, a Game Boy knockoff uh, from a uh, company called uh, Wellback Holdings... Yeah. It was released back in 1993. I am reading this off Wikipedia because even though I'd heard of the Mega Duck, I wasn't really very clued up on it. Um, and this comes from an article. That Who is? Lewis. Who is, Tom? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, Ashens is. Ashens, the YouTuber who has yeah. a nice brown couch. He's done several videos on this uh, topic. Um, but yeah, the Mega Duck was released in 1993. About five people bought them around the world where they were released. <laughs> and um, it's just a really obscure Game Boy kind of clone or knockoff, but it has its own original titles. Mm-hmm. And this, well, almost the entire library in the recent past has been ported to the Dreamcast using a, a Game Boy emulator. I believe the work was done by Ian Michaels. Is that right, Lewis? Yeah, yeah. Ian Michael, can I just say on that, Ian Michael does not get enough credit in the Dreamcast. Um, He's a legend. Scene. He's a he living legend. He does so much stuff. That, and it's like he'll be working on a project, like porting Hexen or something, and then there'll be no fanfare and he'll have moved on to something else completely random that he's porting over to. and if you follow him on on youtube you'll just see all this crazy amazing stuff that he's doing with dreamcast uh, hardware so yeah he, he michael definitely an unsung hero in the dreamcast community i would say well, yeah the, the, this uh this whole thing i i only happened upon it because some not even Ian michael had put something on uh, Dreamcast talk forums like oh yeah you can play Mega Duck on Dreamcast and obviously probably the reason why we're talking about it now is because I wrote a blog post and just thought it was kind of like a funny thing like 
this is the depths of obscurity you know you're playing <laughs> Megaduck on the Dreamcast yeah I just think it was it was mad that this even exists and that's why we're talking about it I guess it's really cool just as an aside you can imagine there was some poor kid would have got a Megaduck for Christmas yep. instead of a yep. Game Boy like desperately wanted a Game Boy <laughs> showed his mum a picture or something and she went into a shop and ended up with a Megaduck devastated the wrapping off on Christmas morning it's a Megaduck with Snake Roy <laughs> hey, come on now. I wish I had Snake Roy at Christmas. I would have been over the moon. Speaking of Snake Roy, Snake Roy is actually one of the only games that is not included in this quite large um, bundle of, yeah, of Mega games. So, d- just to backtrack a little bit, um, what we're talking about here is a guy called Ian Michael, who is very well known in the Dreamcast uh, community, a, a developer, coder. He has taken all of the known dumped, or the vast majority of the known dumped. Megaduck cartridges, put them all in a nice little package on a, a Game Boy emulator and then ported it onto the Dreamcast. So you can literally just go in there, you, you, you start the emulator up, you get presented with a list of games, just like you would on like a, an EverDrive, for example. And then you hit the hit the start button on whichever game it is and then it loads up and it just shows you a nice sort of black and white or monochrome screen. And then you, you're playing Megaduck. And I was playing something the other day called um, Armor Force. And I was, I was sat there playing, I, you know, I was played 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, and I was thinking to myself, I'm probably the only person in the world playing this right now. This is really weird. <laughs> oh, well, apart from Rich or, or, or Lewis, yeah. do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But uh, it's just really cool. To, and because some of these games are so obscure, it's almost like, you know, the, the old sort of um, Forrest Gump thing, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Mega Duck's like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. Because mm-hmm. I think that's a line he says in the, in the film. Um, you can just scroll through this list and, and hit start, and then... You, you just you honestly don't know what it's going to be. What what I was playing yeah. earlier on was called Arctic Zone, and I didn't know what it was going to be. I thought I, for some reason I thought it was going to be a shoot 'em up or something. But it, what I, what it actually is is this like polar bear that dances quite weirdly on one side of the screen, <laughs> is throwing snowballs at the other side of the screen, and you have to make shapes and make them disappear in a a bit like Tetris but turned on its side, but with a dancing yeah. polar bear. And I was just like, this is really bizarre, but it's actually really good as well. And oh, not yeah. enough people have played this, but now they can on Dreamcast. Um, Rich, I know that you've played some of these games. What's your experience been? Yeah, I think the the standout for me was um, Crazy Burger, <laughs> which is kind of like it's like Pac Man meets the the Morgan Spurlock documentary. Super Size Me. That's <laughs> 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 the best way I can describe it. Um, so essentially, yeah, you move around the um, like the maze grid, and you you're being pursued by fast food items, so milkshakes, fries, burgers. And you have to pick up what seems to be like chests. I, I assume that's what they are. But if you get touched by the food, you basically get fatter and fatter. And then the fatter you get, the slower you get. And to counter that, you have to pick up fruit, like bananas, oranges, apples, that stuff, to make yourself healthy again. So you can start moving quicker. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I was like, yeah, I was blown away. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So it's got you know a good message behind it as well. I mean, it speaks to, you know, obesity yeah. and, you know, societal consumption so it's <laughs> quite deep some governments should have licensed it and released it like as a psa or something you know nationalized crazy burger that's why i say yeah there's some um, there's some there's some really good games on here to be honest i mentioned armor force that was quite a good one uh, which is like a side-scrolling shooter where you play as this like big mech thing yeah. uh, there's also um sky ace which is almost like uh 1943 1942 1943 yeah. um street rider is like do you know that namco that namco racing game like, i think it's at the beginning of like ridge racer revolution or something where you have to yeah. basically go it's like a top-down thing it's almost like that 
Um, there's ant ant soldiers, which is basically like lemmings, uh, but it's really confusing. I just like lemmings to me. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but yeah, th there's there's very little documentation on any of these games, so you know it's it's potluck really what what it's going to be when you scroll through. Um, and we have mentioned him by name, but one of the more more what's the word infamous games for the for the Mega Duck is Snake Roy, which is essentially <laughs> Snake. But it's about a guy called Roy who gets turned into a snake. So on the front of the cartridge, it's a guy called Roy's <laughs> face with a snake's body. Yeah. And that's it. You just, it's just yeah. snake, but with a guy called Roy. It's kind of like the spirit of speed of the Mega Duck community, <laughs> of, of the five people in the Mega Duck community. But it's even like, even the artwork on it, it's got that kind of classic vibe. Like when you used to get the Mega Drive yeah. games, we see like the artwork for like Golden Axe, and you think, oh, this looks amazing. And then you know, it always it's like looks. like watercolored. Yeah, it yeah. looks like it's a movie poster. Like, oh man, this game looks sick. Seriously, look at Roy's face. You, look, you imagine he's probably a really, really shredded guy. But now he's a snake, yeah. so it's like. But then you put it on, it's like, oh, this is this is crap. But I, yeah, I just the only other game I want to speak about is um, Worm Visitor as well, which was like a really slow frogger, <laughs> but you play play as a worm and you have to avoid traffic, of course. So yeah, what, so. what a great name, Worm Visitor. There's, there's a couple <laughs> of others with some great names. There's a I don't know Duck Adventure. I mean that says it all really. That was weird. Uh, Captain Knickknack. Uh, bomb disposer. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, if, if you if you want to know more about this, you could you could uh, Google Megaduck or Cougar Boy, and uh, or you could just search for Megaduck Dreamcast. And you'll find the the uh, the links on the Dreamcast Talk forum, and of course, obviously, Lewis has written an article about it on the Dreamcast Junkyard main blog. So yeah, you, you can find all the download links, and obviously, be sure to uh, give Ian Michael a thank you. And I believe our friend Derek Pascarella was involved as well in creating the. The GDMU version, um, CDI version, yeah. is that right, Lewis? Yeah, basically the the what version that was given out originally was an ISO that I think you'd have to put on. Uh, was it Dream Shell? Dream Shell, yeah. yeah. And I, I mentioned it to Derek because I was like, oh, does this boot on your? Because you, you that was it, Tom. You said you had issues booting it on GDMU. It's because I'm thick, and I thought if I put this on my <laughs> GDMU, it should work. But then I realised yeah. it wouldn't because, as you say, it's only for Dream Shell. But then. I looked through my drawer of goodies, found my Dreamshell adapter, but then couldn't find the actual SD card that's got all the stuff on it. So I was yeah. like, oh, what am I going to do? But Derek came to the rescue but, via yourself, Lewis, which was... Yeah, he just yeah. he was just like, oh, let me have a look at this. Like you he do. Like, Here you go. <laughs> Here you go. CDI, it'll work on GDMU. Um, I will also just add on the subject of this, this is a bet, This is actually a better way to play Mega Duck than the actual Mega Duck, which has a notoriously <laughs> bad screen for ghosting. Um, and also Mega Ducks are like £200 on eBay because, you know, who would pay that? But anyway, yeah, so do it on your Dreamcast instead. I can only imagine how bad Arctic Zone is with that ghosting. With that hint of irony, when I actually first booted up, I was generally quite impressed with when I saw the title screen and just the really nice sharpness of like you know pixels on monochrome i was like damn this looks really really nice like from like an emul emulation standpoint like proper pixel art standpoint it just looked yeah. really quite actually bloody nice like so yeah i was quite quite you know quite chuffed for that so yeah that's the sad thing about those old handhelds i think the, i mean i don't know if this has good games but the GameCom is another offender <laughs> oh, of having a terrible screen but it's like you know people spent time developing these games and like you guys enjoyed them and then the poor person who has a mega duck and plays them just can't do much because the screen is so bad i am um, my very first job when i left school 
before I went to college. I saved up for about two months to get a Gamecom. And oh when I got it, I was... You know when, you, when you've got like buyer's remorse, but you try to convince yourself that what you've spent your money on is good? Mm-hmm. Um, and it really wasn't. It was, a, it was pathetic. And I showed it to my brother, and my brother was just like, that is rubbish. I was like, cheers, thanks for that. You know, you could have said, oh, that's, that's good. You know, give me some kind of like false... Uh, False hope that I'd not wasted my money, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, what did I have with it? Uh, Indy five hundred, where you could only see about two feet in front of the car. Oh dear. And um, yeah. what was the other one? Batman, I think it was. It was, it was terrible, absolutely terrible. Anyway, it had a, it had a, it had a calendar though. So oh, know. it did, yeah, yeah, it did. And it had a, um, <laughs> it had a touch, it had a stylus that you could pull out from the bottom underneath the screen. So yeah. there was that. That was that was great. Good. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun. Um, <laughs> uh, moving on then from old games that. You know, very few people played uh, to new games, which more people will undoubtedly play. We are, of course, talking about Wave Game Studios and a, I think I stole this from you, Lewis, a tidal wave of new Wave Games <laughs> coming soon. Um, yeah. So, I'm, do you know what? I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to hand this over to you if that's all right, Lewis, because um, I basically nicked this news from your article. So, if you want to l- run with it, then feel free. Yeah, okay, so uh, Wave are as busy as ever, our our pals. I believe uh, Andrew has met them in person as well, so, you know, mm-hmm. We've, you know, there's that connection, but also, yeah, I think the big, the big deal thing for a lot of people is the Sega-powered magazine, a very good Sega-focused independent magazine that you reviewed, Tom, on the blog, the first issue. Their issue five, which comes out in June this year, will have a demo disc that contains Wave demos. So for the game's Wave release, I do believe in the future they will try and make it so that there's not just wave games but other indie games from other you know developers and publishers um but at the moment it's just wave releases and yeah that's just going to be on the front of uh sega powered issue five very cool and that is the first dreamcast demo cd for 21 years which is mad really i love this story i love this story quite a funny funny sort of bit of inside story here as well i was speaking to the guys over at wave this must have been before christmas and but randomly one evening i kind of had this idea of saying oh do you know what a, a demo I, a demo would be now wave are kind of coming in they're trying to standardize like the the format of like you know all the D releases that they publish and it's um you know it's all trying to go trending in the right direction i kind of i sent him a message and i was like hey it'd be really cool if you did like a demo cd or something and he was like ah we're already one step ahead of you on that we've been working on this for, for <laughs> quite a while so um i think it's really really cool i hope uh, and I'm I'm led to believe that they are doing something like this, but I hope they have some sort of cool, um, you know, menu system, kind of like the Dream On discs um, of old, um, rather than just having a you know a basic menu or something, because that'll really add to the nostalgia as well of getting mm. a demo disc and being able to sort of cycle through. Um, so yeah, hopefully this will be the first of many for sure. I was I was kind of hoping secretly that they'd call it Dream On, but then the next number along, you know, in the yeah. in the series. Because that would have been really nice. cool, like a nice continuation of the uh, of that season. Yeah, I, I think it's just a great a great addition, like a great idea as well to put it with the magazine. Because yeah, the, the cool Sega magazine is obviously awesome, and then you know, I think I think probably a few people may have thought, oh, but you know, it'd be really cool if it had a demo attached to it, like in the good old days. So yeah, that is that is pretty cool. Awesome, yeah, and there's a couple of other things as well. 
if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so one that I think we wondered about anyway, but Shadow Gangs, which we've mentioned like on probably every other news episode that we've done recently, uh, it did get back, it got kick-started in the end. Um, the last uh, episode we did, uh, we were wondering if it might, because um, the, the, the goal was quite high, and then they redid it, and the goal was still kind of high, but... In the end, they managed to pull through with it, and it looks like Wave have might managed to work a deal out with them to distribute the game anyway. Even though awesome. originally it, it seemed like the, the Shadow Gangs creators wanted to do it themselves, um, basically Wave have also said that that anyone who backed the Kickstarter will get some extras, and I I, I can imagine this might be because the actual price that they were on the Kickstarter for the physical edition was fairly high. It was, yeah. So for them Wave to come out with their version and it'd be presumably cheaper, like at their normal pricing, it'd be a bit dodgy. So they've basically promised, in quotes, super cool extras for those who backed the Kickstarter. It's going to be some animated menu screens like in uh, <laughs> Sonic Origins. Yeah. The ability yeah, yeah. to jump. <laughs> <laughs> And then the other thing is uh, Postal, just a development on that, still uh, slated for release on the 2nd of June. So Postal, published by Wave, officially sanctioned by Running With Scissors, um, which is awesome. The the news on this is that Dan Redfield, who is porting the game, uh, managed to finally implement a four-player co-op mode, like a couch co-op mode, um, for the campaign. And... It obviously took a lot of effort because he he posted a tweet like you guys better play this which i thought was quite funny <laughs> yeah so that that's really cool um and yeah still a bit mind blown but that that is a release yeah. that's coming to the dreamcast to be honest postal is definitely the the highlight of what of waves catalog mm-hmm. at the moment i think you know for the single reason that it is an officially sanctioned release of a of a game you know a a, a I don't know, would you call it a triple A game from back in the day, whatever they were called back then, but a um mm. a fully blown game that came out in the nineties and is now being released on, on Dreamcast uh, officially. Long may it continue. Long may it continue. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm just wondering how that four player mode will work because I remember with things like um do you remember Loaded? That was almost like a sort of postal esque mm. style game, wasn't that it? That was great. If you were two players, the camera would zoom out a little bit, but then you couldn't move, you you would have to you'd end up arguing with your mate, No, I wanna go this way, I wanna go that way. I'm thinking about how it would work on Dreamcast with these wide open levels, like you've got four people all wanna go in different directions, but you can't actually yeah. move because the screen won't let you go in all directions at once. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that actually works. Just whilst we're talking about Wave, I've got a couple of their games now, which I've bought from them, and I've talked about the quality of their of their packaging and stuff um, at length before, so I won't go through that again now. But the, the other thing I just want to give them credit for, you mentioned it a minute ago, Lewis, is just the cost uh, of what they charge. I mean, they've got a whole mm-hmm. load of games on there, ranging from a tenner up to basically, well, if you don't count the, the limited edition or the collector's edition stuff, 30 quid is the most expensive new releases that they have. And I think you know, again, when you look back at the indie community, you know, there were plenty of occasions where you were paying as much as that, if not more than that, for a much lower quality final product. Whereas the Wave stuff, you know, the packaging looks amazing from the outside. The disc is a properly mm. printed press disc rather than having a sticker on it or something like that. And I think the fact that they're able to churn these out at a super competitive price is um, 
it just makes me really happy for the future of Dreamcast um, releases, whether it's you know ports of, of previously released games or the new indie games uh, that are coming out. I think having them, uh, and obviously they're not all going to go through uh, Wave, you'd, you'd assume, but the ones that do, I think it's um, you know it's just uh, it, as a as an original player of Dreamcast, it's really nice to be able to uh, to have them still look and feel like they're a, a quote unquote real Dreamcast game. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what else they come come forward with. Um, you know, this could open up the door for other ports of games from that era, and you know, who knows, you know, what could be waiting in the wings. I believe they are teasing that they're going to be releasing new games every couple of months throughout this year. So exciting times to be a Dreamcast owner for sure. Okay, so that's new releases. Let's talk now about something that we like to talk about quite a lot on this podcast, and that is translation projects from the community. Uh, one game in particular that has been given an English patch is uh, Mr. Yukawa's Treasure Hunt. Uh, this is one that I played quite some time ago. It was um, quite a strange release uh, for the Dreamcast. It was incorporated the uh, former managing director, Mr. Yukawa, and he had to basically run around in a sort of top-down open world and dig for, dig for prizes. And I think, if I remember rightly, there was some kind of tie-in with... Um, with Drycast at the time, where you could win points or something like that. It was basically a promotional game for the Dreamcast. It's quite obscure, but um, I I did do a sort of a semi-review of it on the Dreamcast Junkyard main blog a few years ago from what I could tell of what was happening throughout the game. Now, there's an English translation, so, you know, we don't have to guess what Mr. Yukawa's doing. We can read it if we speak or read English. Um... So that's really cool. Uh, can you remember who's that actually by uh, Lewis? I'm just trying to. Um... Snowy Aria did that, and she also did um, Seven Mansions, Ghastly Smile, as well, another Dreamcast game. And she also helped with the translations on my D2 article that I did. Amazing. Yeah, I didn't want to leave out uh, any kudos where it was due there. Um, also, some developments on the game that you've actually been involved with, Lewis. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so. Me and Derek Pascarella and some other fine people are translating a visual novel called Nakaruru, The Gift She Gave Me, which is a spin-off of Samurai Showdown. Basically, I'm editing it, so I'm just making the translations sound more natural and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, checking for spelling errors and being pedantic and, you know, uh, you know uh, stuff like that. So um, I, I kind of just wanted to be involved with this because I just really wanted to play the game. I, want, I wanted to see it translated. And um, so I'm glad I'm able to help out in any way I can. But at the moment, basically with 50% translated and edited and 100% of the main story is translated without edits. Um, and uh, Derek's basically doing a lot to make this a really awesome release when it does come out as well. He's, he's, he's going to package it with a bonus disc. It'll contain the, an anime episode that they released but never went as far as one episode. I think it got cancelled. Wow. Um, there's like a music video with, of like some Japanese singer singing the theme tune and uh, just loads of different stuff. So he's been doing a lot with the game. So he's he's had to hack the game to obviously make it work with English font because, you know, Japanese text is so much smaller than our English text on screen. And so he's had to like really fight with this game to make sure it it, it, um, looks good Um, but another thing he's done which is really awesome is the game comes with a VMU uh, clock uh, app that um, you can put on your VMU and it's a little clock with uh, 
you know, there's a few that you can choose from and it's just characters from the game and it, that's the app. It's a clock on your VMU and um, I think when you click on it, the character will like say something. I think it's, I think if I remember, it's sort of like a positive affirmation or something like that or like a funny comment and um, he's actually translated all of that and he's been testing it and it works. So, you know, that's another aspect of the game he's translated. So it's all coming together nicely. So I think maybe people will be able to see it sometime at the end of this year maybe early next year so look forward to it that's really cool i have to again give give my full respect to derek and and the teams that he works with and yourself obviously as well you know this is very much a labor of love and it's 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 great to see that these niche projects still still get you know still get completed really It's, it's fascinating to me yeah i've played through um some of the the sort of early test builds on my dreamcast and it's just such a good story it's a great visual novel it's like really heartfelt and quite beautiful to be honest and it's um that's i'm not getting the buyer's remorse you know like you did with the game, the game Com, yeah. like, <laughs> i'm playing it i'm playing it and i'm thinking damn like if someone else had done this and it wasn't me i wasn't had no involvement i would like really enjoy this story and characters and all this so like i think everyone will really like it quality this is going to be the most tenuous um segue of, of all time on this podcast on, but you did mention a, a vmu app there for the uh for the translation project yeah. um vgn ysoft are releasing a uh a custom vmu for the reissue of hermes in the near future see what you see what i did there tied it in you know no i'll, I'll get i'll get my coat sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this this came out um of a of a tweet from video games new york who are at PAX East 2022 at the moment, I believe, or were recently. Uh, their upcoming release of Hermes, which is a sort of side-scrolling pixel art game where you play as a little chicken that's trying to get away from a chef with an absolutely amazing soundtrack. Both myself and Mike have uh, waxed lyrical about the soundtrack many times on the uh, on the pod. Uh, yeah, it's coming with its own... Well, a special edition is coming with its own specially printed VMU, similar to how some of the games like um, Godzilla in Japan came with uh, special edition VMUs, uh, which is, yeah, a welcome addition to the uh, Dreamcast uh, indie library, I suppose. Possibly a first, you know. Um, I think Mike mentioned that before there was some kind, maybe there'd been like an arcade stick released for some indie project. Was it, what's the company called? NG, NG Dev Team, is that what oh, they're yeah. called? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike mentioned they did a uh, some kind of uh, arcade stick release previously um because i was set, i was asking you know is this probably the first instance we've seen of like a heart piece of hardware for dreamcast um you know dreamcast indie game yeah it's really this i think this is obviously the first vmu and i don't know it's really cool isn't it like to you know to get a, an indie game but like have that collector edition is like yeah and it's not you know it's not just like a soundtrack or something it's like you know it's an actual physical thing you can use on your dreamcast it's really cool slightly different to how um the dreamcast special edition of intrepid izzy had like a little character like a like a little model of izzy yeah yeah i've got so one of those yeah it's great. yeah yeah and and we did have a bit of a discussion didn't we whether or not the um the the vmu lights for alice dreams tournament ever saw the light of day but we don't think it did so that would have been the first, but unfortunately, I don't think it ever ever saw the light of day. Boom, boom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on to our final and possibly most important news story of this entire podcast. There is a Dreamcast duvet cover 
ladies and gentlemen, there is a there is a Dreamcast duvet cover that you can put on your own bed and sleep underneath. <laughs> I have been known to sleep with a Dreamcast on my pillow, but I've never slept <laughs> under a Dreamcast duvet cover. So, gentlemen, I think you'll join me in uh, in saying that this is probably you know some of the greatest news we've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes and no, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, what good is a duvet cover if there's not like the full curtain set and like cushions and, and everything else? It's a bit, you know, I, I need the whole thing if I'm going to go for the duvet cover. Maybe if you buy two duvet covers, you just hang one of them above your <laughs> above your windows and pretend that they're the curtains. Like a blackout curtain or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the whole time that we've discussed this before, I just had this image in my brain of like this bachelor inviting a girl to his house. He's like, check out my Dreamcast duvet cover, baby. Turns like, <laughs> out she's more into PS2. You know, she's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You want to play some Sonic Shuffle yeah. before bed? <laughs> God. Um, the company's called Moon Lambo. Of course, of course it is. Uh, Moon Lambo. And it costs £73. Or, or well, from £73 all the way up to £113, depending on the, the bedding size. Just looking at the image as well, the, the pillowcases do appear to be VMUs, which yeah, nice. is actually quite cool. Um, and it just got me thinking this. There's, there's lots of stuff throughout the years that has come out that's got like a Dreamcast logo stamped on it. I know I've got some really odd stuff. I've got a, a tissue box holder, which is... Put that next to the bed. Well, this is what I'm thinking, you know, you get the full set then. Um, you know, you've, you've seen things like, I don't know, guitars were made out of Dreamcast. Oh, that's like fan-made stuff. Um, but there was like bags, weren't there? I've got a coaster on my desk. I've got a Dreamcast coaster. I'm looking at it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But the question is, what's the most random thing that you would buy if it had a Dreamcast logo printed on it? I'd buy anything with a Dreamcast logo printed on it, to be honest. Same, mm. same. Yeah, I know Mike's got some Dreamcast shoes. Remember those? They came out a few few years ago, them sort of slip-on trainer things. That Only were... the blue one, though. I wouldn't buy anything with the orange or red logo on it. Why is that, James? Because the blue one is the proper logo. You can't be doing okay. any of this any of this red <laughs> or, or orange nonsense. <laughs> there's no red swirl. That's an urban myth. It's orange and blue. Yeah, but there's a different. it's a different shade of orange, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not. Yes, it is. It is. I, I agree. I'm it's an urban myth. The American one is definitely more red, <laughs> when the Asian not. one is definitely more orange. No, it's not. I'm not having it. I'm, I'm looking at it, it right now. You're it's wrong, Tom. In the sun. You're it's wrong. Faded. You're it's wrong. Faded in the, it's faded in the Cardiff sun. That's You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> right, that's it. Right, lads. Podcast is over. <laughs> As I said, I did almost cave once and I almost bought a uh, Dreamcast shower curtain from Redbubble. That's awesome. <laughs> so no one could see me crying in the tub after playing Spirit Speed. So. <laughs> <laughs> James, what would you buy if it had Spirit of Speed branding? Oh, I'd like a tracksuit, like a full Spirit of Speed tracksuit, like tops and, top and bottoms. And like a little visor, that'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Nice. I'd wear that to every conference I went to, like every game show. You'd have to get like a like full like full sovereigns on each hand as well, just to like match you know, like, <laughs> the big gold chain. You're making me sound very much like Jimmy Savile now, so I think we oh, should be. Yeah. Yeah. You're the one who came up with a tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, on that bombshell, uh, I think we should uh, draw this episode to a close. Uh, it's been a lot of fun chatting about uh, 
all the stuff that's been going on really in the in the community. It's uh, it's you know it's far from it's far from quiet, is it? The Dreamcast community. So expect another news roundup in the uh, in the next few. I don't want to say the next few weeks, but in the next few episodes. Um, so yeah, look out for that. Uh, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure as always chatting about all these things. Um, let's go around and tell people where everybody can be found. Uh, you can find us all as a collective on Twitter at the DC Junkyard. You can also find the blog, which is thedreamcastjunkyard.co.uk. You can also find us on um, buymeacoffee.com forward slash DC Junkyard if you want to throw some loose change our way. But let's go around the room. Uh, Lewis, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at LewisJFC. Um, you can yeah also read my stuff on the Dreamcast Junkyard blog. Um, so yeah, check out my stuff and yeah, there's where that's where to find me. Excellent, uh, James. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Agile Harvey. Um, and before I move on, I just want to give a just to we talked about it at the beginning of the show. So the the top two hundred Dreamcast games that everybody, oh, yes. all of you listeners and readers, have have uh, spent um, time filling in the form and voting for your top ten Dreamcast games. Um, I spent the last month or so pouring through the results. Uh, we now have a compiled list of two hundred games, <laughs> and the website will be updated. So we'll be working on that um, with obviously the, the the full chart along with some information and some links to articles we've written on each of the games. But I think the plan for the reveal of these initially is to do it um, over a, um, a couple of podcasts. So my plan is to do a podcast where we go through kind of uh, game number 200 all the way up to kind of 100 and then or, or 101 and then we'll do another episode then with the top 100 where we just kind of pick out a few games to talk through um nice. and in the first episode we'll probably cover a couple of games that um that didn't even make the top 200 because there were some there was quite a few surprises in there some some big games that didn't uh, didn't make it and there's some games that are pretty high up that you might not uh, be expecting and uh, and yeah, the top uh, the top two or three might not be in the uh, in the order that you're imagining them to be in your head as well. So all will be revealed on the next uh, the next couple of episodes. Curiouser and curiouser, indeed. Cool. Okay, and finally, Rich, where can people find your good self? You can find me on Twitter at the Bitten Hero, and also you can find me on a What's Wrong with Wolfie podcast, which is at Wolfie Pod, and also at Dreamcast Years. Fantastic. Well. All that remains for me to say is uh, thank you to my three co-hosts and thank you to you for listening. Join us on the next episode of The Dream Pod and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Please stop this disc now. Now, 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 now.